Omid is part of Alpha Geek Capital. He is a father of three kids and a beautiful wife. And he somehow manages to still network, do his corporate job, do a crazy impressive portfolio of short-term rentals and do so much more. And I just got to welcome him to the show and really just to teach everybody, how did you go from working this crazy schedule and making everything fit into that schedule and still having time to reach your financial goals and eventually quit your job? Well, Patrick, first, thank you for having me on the show. You are amazing. And this is really a great opportunity. So I really appreciate it. Like I said before, like you're, you remind me of a young me, young, ambitious, hustling every day. I see you in Facebook groups. I see you in meetups. I see you virtual like events, like you're everywhere. So I, I really appreciate the hustle and I appreciate the opportunity. So how I got started is I worked my W2 job. I try to increase my income as quickly as possible. When I was in my twenties, I really wanted to excel. So I did, I volunteered for everything. I did everything possible to increase that income. And then I put myself in a position where then I can start investing. So I, through the journey, I attempted multiple things from a long distance rental to long distance burr to attempting syndication. And eventually I came across short-term rentals. So this happened actually COVID, summer of COVID. And for the past two and a half years, I've shifted and I guess built a portfolio with short-term rentals. And just last year or earlier this year, actually in, in January, I walked away from my W-2 job where the short-term rentals allowed me to replace my income. And I'm doing this full-time now. And this income is not only replacing just you, it's replacing three kids and a wife and you, right? So that's a whole family income that you've replaced through real estate investing more specifically short-term rental investing in a little bit over two years, right? Or two years. Correct. So like when you think about traditional way of like investing, so you think like 401k. So I'm going to give you an example. In my 401k, I would contribute as my, my income would increase. I would also increase my contribution and I would max out on my 401k. I eventually built it to, a, to an amount, which was, so I was at a crossroads. I, was, I had built it at an amount was like 700K. And if I continued with the company an additional five years with compounding, it would be at one point, one mil, one mil. And so for me, like, I was always like, I don't know why I had this number in my head, one mil, I'm going to walk away and do something different, just like a safety net. But in the past two years, I was able to invest in real estate and that exceeded my 401k as far as net worth in those two years, that took me 18 years to accumulate. So I think that's like the power of real estate, the power of investing at the right time in the right niche. I and mean, that doesn't even account for like cash flow. That just like net worth with increase in the values of the acquisition of like the assets purchased. And so how many units are you at right now? You went from zero to... So I'm invested in like right now, like 19 are currently live, I would say. Wow. While having a W-2 job. Yeah. So I worked a W-2 literally like I used to wake up at five. I would be the first in the office, last one to leave. When COVID happened, I started waking up at four o'clock. And essentially what I would do is I'd go into meetups, virtual meetups. make. So I'd spend an extra 10 hours. I would shift my 10 hours of working the W-2 into 
essentially like educating myself, building relationships, networking. So that way I could build slowly a foundation before I eventually took action into real estate. Yeah. So how did you actually manage to scale from zero to almost 20 in two years? What was the key factor for somebody like you that's in a corporate job? Yeah. So essentially you're in a corporate job. So I got to a point where I was, I had a high income, but I had a lot of responsibilities at home. So how do I then buy back some of my time? So you buy back your time by leveraging the income for loans. So I qualified for loans to purchase short-term rentals. I found a partner who had time freedom. So essentially with their time freedom, they're able to do the major part of the operations of the business. And eventually, as I continued to scale, I slowly started running out of liquidity. So then I started finding partners who had liquidity, but then we had now a, like a machine, a process in place to have cash flowing assets. So then now we reversed it. And eventually I was able to use, I guess, the income to eventually replace my W-2 and walk away from it. it. It was a slow process. I think like you wear so many hats. And initially, like when you're in a W-2 job, you first want to wear the hat of qualifying, leveraging your income, build a team, and then eventually leverage that team and all the systems to then allow you to step away. So it's like people always talk about like work on the business versus in the business. So initially you're always going to be working in the business as you're in the process, but eventually you'll create a business that in theory, again, not as easy, like a said, but that eventually it runs itself. Got it. Okay. And so how did you meet this person that had time freedom? Where do you really find, you said you were networking, but that's very broad. Like where right. did you network? How did you find out about it? Sure. Eventually. Yeah. So the, my particular partner, we essentially met through social media. So there's a power of social media. It's so powerful. It all came from a like. So one led to a DM that led to an investment relationship that led to multiple investment opportunities that we eventually had together. And then my partner, then his wife at the time was not working. He was working at W2. So we were both at a point where we're like, okay, we need to leverage somebody else because we both at this point were buying assets. We were a little bit liquid at the time, and uh, but we need somebody that had the time. So his wife, was. we proposed to her like, hey, why don't you, I know you're not into real estate. Hey, this is just something that we feel is a good opportunity. And again, it was a, also a tax strategy for my partner for his wife to be a real estate professional by running a short-term rental. So there was tax advantages, even though for him and, uh, and his wife, and eventually that kind of led to creating a system that allowed us to scale. And so that's then a, your third people. wheel in this situation. Yeah. So I'm like, I went from like the partner to the third wheel to the, <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny because you wear, as you go through this journey, you wear different hats. And as I walked away from my W-2, then it's okay. Now you're starting to take on the oper some of the operational responsibilities and some of the additional duties that maybe you had not taken on before. And so I guess like my, to all your listeners, you don't have to know everything. Leverage people that have certain skill sets that complement yours. And you'll be in a great position where you don't have to know everything. You can scale, have a little bit less risk and be in a position to be successful.
Yeah. And a lot of people might be thinking that what your encounter was luck. You just got lucky. You commented on something or you liked something, somebody saw it and you got a DM. What do you say to those people that always think everything's luck in life? Yeah. So there's that. But I think what you don't hear about the story is there's a lot of failures behind it. But I think, uh, I think what the theme is like, there was action taken. So you're going to have a lot of these relationships. People, people always preach, go to meetups, go do virtual, go on Facebook groups, but people do that. And they're like, nothing's happening. What's going on. And, but the most networked and most effective networking people are the ones that build those relationships. So it's, if you're in a Facebook group, be active. Don't just, don't be like a, what is it? Like somebody that just kind of wallflower that just observes all the comments. Right. Or like a, is a voyeur. Is that the right word? Like they're just like, they're just <laughs> like called, looking. I think it's called fly on the wall is what I've heard. Fly on the wall, right. Don't be the fly on the wall. So be active. And this is what I, I, that's why I appreciate what you do is I see you very active in the Facebook group. So how does somebody like you, who's in their low in their 20, able to build this, this community and relationship is because you're proactive. You create a presence, you bring value to others. So somebody might say, Hey, what do I have? What value do I have to bring? Even just asking questions by asking questions, it brings value to others because then it might generate a response from you that gives an answer. And then it was somebody else's question as well. So be proactive in those groups, but again, take an action. So there's some moments where I've taken action and I was not successful. So there's a lot of those, but you keep, I think being consistent and that's like the biggest key consistency, taking action and things will come. Yeah. And so I think I've heard a phrase once called luck is essentially uh, opportunity meeting somebody that's prepared. So you were that's prepared. Like Tony you... Robbins, right? Is that Tony Robbins? I, I think, think that might be. I just heard Tony it through the, through the grapevine. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that is so true, right? You're taking consistent action every day. And then one day just, it happens. You're prepared to accept whatever happened in your life. And it happens. It just, the ask is there and the opportunity arises and you hop on it. But look, Omid, if you were not prepared for that and you were just in this corporate mindset or I have to take care of my kids, I can't partner right now. I have to do this everything myself. I don't think that would have been even an opportunity to begin with. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people, when I think about it and why didn't I start sooner is like mindset mindset. It's either, Hey, I have my, I never thought I could qualify for more than my own personal home outside of, even though I had a high income. So I think there's a lot of people that have different mindset barriers. And I think you're able to break those barriers by being in an environment where you see proofs of concept from other people. And you go to the meetups, you go to the, just ask, just stay consistent. And I think the more you do that, the more you learn from others It's just somebody in a corporate environment. Like I was, I don't have time to read 20 books. And sometimes you see people and they're like, I read my 20th book today. Just, I don't have time for that. So all, all I have time for is, Hey, just give me the juicy stuff. What do I need to do? How do I do it? Give me like the cliff notes version. If you can find the cliff notes version as a W2 or as a corporate professional, it allows you to accelerate your ability to take action. And I think that's like a big thing is make sure you find the Cliff Notes version. And that worked for me. I mean, some other people have different risk tolerances as far as what they want to do, but 
it, for me, that's what I'm comfortable with to be able to take some action. Yeah. And that you took action and that, that was great. You saw what happened. So let's move forward from that. You met this couple, you're now, you're the third wheel and you're pretty much going along this journey with what was the next step for you three to be able to scale? Yeah. So, so my partners, Tony and Sarah, so they're, they wanted really like, you think about what is a vision, what is a vision and like creating what, whatever systems are in place to build on that vision. So Tony has a platform and his idea was he wants to acquire a lot of property, um, and be able to leverage the platform, his relationships, the education arena to be able to note, like even teach people so that they can do it as well. So I feel like it's, you have these conversations with whoever it is, cause not everybody wants to scale. So you just got to decide what are your goals? What do you want to do? Cause some people, they love their W2 and they just want to do this as a side hustle. And for those people, but they like the niche. So I think for somebody like that, they're like co-hosting is a great opportunity or partnering with somebody else is a, that has time freedom is a great opportunity where you can put your money with others that are, that specialize in like running these short-term rentals where you can be on the sideline to enjoy it, but still enjoy your W2 and family. And again, so I think it's assessing priorities. Yeah. And so what skill set were you, you said you were a high income? Was that the only thing you brought to say about? I'm assuming that you brought more than just high income. <laughs> no, I think for me, it just being at the right place, right time, being consistent, being tenacious. So I think for me, like I was able to do my W2 job and I would continue to time block and make more time to help run like some of the administrative tasks, like outside build some of the teams. I sourced like our team in Tennessee, as far as like our handyman and our cleaner. And I did the same thing as well as in the Joshua tree market. And so it's, again, it's, we figure out what works for each group and where there's an opportunity. And, and now I'm running just like investor relations. And essentially that's, we have a funnel. We have people who are interested in partnerships. And then I have conversations with him, with them, as far as what sort of opportunities there are and uh, like how we can partner up. Yeah. How many partners do you guys have? I don't know. Off the top of my head, to be honest, it's let's say like 10, 10 ish or so. Got it. And so how yeah. do you manage 10 partnerships? Does it get hectic? Yeah. Do you ever need to drop people? How do you know what's the right partnership? What's not? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And it's still a learning process. I feel like, so before what I did was like negotiate injury settlements with the public. So you have to, it's like a speed dating process. You have to talk to somebody, build a quick relationship, assess if they're right fit as far as like aligning goals and personality fit, and also setting expectations. And as long as everybody's on the same page, as far as like the communication piece, the values piece, and goals. And if those things align, it seems like it would be a good fit. And so far, so good. No, as far as all the relationships that we've had, there's varying degrees as far as like some people want a little bit more time than others. And I think it just, it depends on the person and the personality type, but as far as what we have, and we've been knock on wood, but it's been a blessing and we'll see how it goes moving forward. Awesome. So you didn't have to cut any clients out so far or partners. No, no. no. Okay. No. So you guys vet your partners. Yeah. So as, as far as the process, we have a conversation about it. And then we kind of, what we said, we talk about aligning goals, but yeah, there's kind of like a vetting process to ensure that one, like 
financially makes sense. The goals make sense. And that, that's like part of the high level process. Got it. Cool. And these partners, they bring money to the table, correct? So it varies. It varies. It's, I think it's evolved over time. And now we're moving towards, it's been where we both contribute to their capital their, or their specific capital partners, or even if it's like a private money flip. And they're just strictly, is it equity or is it just like a short-term type of loan? Or even if it's in this case, eventually transitioning to syndication model where there's like LPs. So I think it's evolving depending on like where we've been in like the cycle and what opportunities are available. Got it. So do you do multiple deals with the same people or do you stay or do you do different partnerships depending on the deal? Yeah, so you can. So we, I think it depends on the appetite of, of the partner, but we have a couple partners that have done more than one deal. So it's, uh, let's say for one partner, it's, they want, they're really into the time freedom. They like the niche. They're into the time freedom. They just want somebody to run property A to Z and just really collect uh, like a distribution. Again, I think it, it's going to vary depending on the partner and what they want. And there's other partners who they just want to look over your shoulder and uh, they had a partner where they bought multiple after the initial partnership. And so they just want to kind of like a proof of concept, a resource that was available. And uh, so I think those are like our two avatars, I would say. Right. And so with this model of scaling with partnerships, how is that different than going down, for instance, co-hosting or rental arbitrage or different kinds of models of scaling? Yeah. So rental arbitrage. So I, I think with that specifically, I'm not as experienced, but this is like a high level, like my high level understanding is, as, as well as co-hosting. I think we have like equity stake in the properties as far as like the partnership model. Co-hosting, it's more typically you got the gross revenues and there's some like X percent fee, let's say hypothetically 20% right off the top off of gross revenue. So I think um, and even arbitrage, it's, you don't own the property. So maybe there's not, again, the equity piece, but again, you got to like sublease and there's some risk component to that depending on the market, but each one has like pros and cons and there's people that are interested in all of those. So it just, for our particular model where we were, as far as we're learning, that's something that, that we've been doing. But I think even to answer your question, I think co-hosting seems to be like the popular shiny thing for 2023. When you think about partnerships and getting like the right returns, it is going to be difficult. I think in this like lending environment. And so co-hosting just seems, okay, somebody already has a property. Maybe you can, you already have a system that works and you can better optimize the property. So I know like you, you have a co-hosting like arm and, and so I, again, I think it's timing and where like the market is and what makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So right now, and that is an amazing point. It depends, right? When interest rates were so low, you were taking yep. advantage of the partnership model where you build equity in the property, as well as yep. getting all the benefits of real estate. However, now in this market, it might be better to pivot into something. And we're probably giving away secrets by saying this, but, but co-hosting is like the new thing right now. It's, oh, they're already locked in yep. at lower interest rates. And their mortgage is really low. I definitely can make whatever they're making and you don't have to worry about a mortgage. So it's the sweet thing to do. 
And are you guys pivoting all to co-hosting or do you guys still acquiring? What's the game strategy right now for, yeah, your team? Yeah, I think for now, I think what we're looking to do is that we want to do a value add in a different market. So the goal is really to establish, not necessarily to make profit, but uh, it's to establish a team in a different market that then we can scale. So I think that's part of it. There's a strong likelihood that they'll be co-hosting in the future. And then on top of that, I think as far as like creating a fund, I think part of it is going to be depending on kind of the timing in the market. But I think that's at some time next year, probably launching some sort of fund. That I think that's also something that a lot of people are doing is launching funds. I think three things that a lot of we're doing, co-hosting, launching funds, or boutique hotels. I feel like those three mm-hmm. things, midterm rentals as well. Those yeah. are the, the big things that everyone wants to do now. Yeah. But I think that's like, when you think about it, like there's a lot of people in the space where they're like, that's like popular, but I think outside of the space, there's a lot of people that still don't know about a lot of these things. And I think it's great having these conversations because I think it, it allows people to understand, Hey, short-term rentals, how to use that strategy. And knowing that their cycles and when is the right time to get into different investment strategies, leveraging short-term rentals, just because even like midterm rentals is like a variation of short-term rentals to a degree or like an in-between of long-term, short-term. Yep. Yep. Hence the name midterm rentals. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, yeah, there's so many things you can do. What do you say to the people that are just getting started? What advice would you give them to help them scale in this market? I think you got to assess your threshold for pain or commitment, right? So a lot of people say, oh, I want to do real estate, but then they're not willing to give up their weekends. They're not willing to stay up late. They're not willing to wake up early. So number one, assess your threshold for pain or like commitment, because I think that's like the first step, because if you're, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I love the idea of that. And then you ask them to like, go to a meetup and they're like, oh no, I have a happy hour. I can't go to that. It's all right. I guess maybe real estate is not for you. But so I think it's really like that commitment. It's hard to find. I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, that sounds cool. They look for the easy thing, but there's nothing easy that comes with real estate and doing it well. You have to be very committed. You You have to be dedicated. So that's the first piece. So let's say, all right, you... You're committed. You're in. All right. So we've eliminated all the, yeah, I'm in, but not. So that we got in. So number two, education. So education comes in so many forms. You got the podcast and the networking. You can follow. um, Masterminding. But it's like, there's so many tiers of that. And so how do you accelerate that? Like somebody like in a W2 like me, it's either you're a mastermind, you have a mentor, you join a coaching program. That $5,000 in a coaching program or 10,000 or whatever it is, that accelerates your ability to be in the right space. It's almost like a country club. You're in the country club, you get all the inside secrets and you get the Cliff Notes version. So that's for me, that's what worked for me. Number three, identify the niche. So pick the niche, whatever it is. And again, it goes back to like a whole like shiny object syndrome. There's so many things. I want to wholesale. I want to midterm rental. I want to flip. And there's so many things, but I would say do the one thing, right? Do the one thing and do it well. So pick that niche, stick to it, and then just stay committed to it. So uh, I ask you a question about that. So for the people that are wondering, Mm -hmm. pick a niche. It's so hard to pick a niche when you really don't know anything about all the different possibilities. Is it okay if people in the beginning explore the different aspects of real estate? 
100%. So I'm going to give you an example. When I first started, I house hacked before there was a term house hacking. So essentially, I bought my personal residence and it was my wife and I, and I needed extra income. So I was like, okay, let's rent these rooms on Craigslist. Back then it was Craigslist. And we had we essentially had roommates, two roommates, right up until my wife was about to have, have a baby. So once we had our roommates, we tested that out. We tested out the long-term rental. So I think you can and figure out what speaks to you because some people like short-term rentals because of the, oh, the destination, but maybe short-term rentals might not be for you because you have somebody complaining about core or the, there wasn't the right coffee and you don't want to deal with that. It's crap, not passive. Right? So, it's a business. It's not passive. It's not <laughs> passive. It's a business. So I think it's figuring out for your personality and your needs and what you want. And maybe long-term rentals is right for you because you just want to be like more passive. So again, it, pick your niche, figure it out and it can change. So just like I've pivoted so many times, you can pivot and figure out what works for you. Yeah. Um, but once you figure that out, yeah. you want to go all in on it. This is what I'm yep. Yep, absolutely. Then that goes back to the one thing. So once you've identified it, the one thing, go all in. So again, so we got the, now we got the assessor threshold, education piece, identify the niche. And really, I think the mentorship, like find a mentor. I think I saw one of your clips where you're like the 33% rule. So it was yeah. like 33%, like with your peer group that like, like a support group, you have the 33% that you're learning from. But I think if you have the right person that teaches you, that accelerates your ability to really take action. Because if you try to do it yourself, there's going to be a lot of mistakes along the way. You'll learn. But if you can shorten that window. And for me, that was Alex Sabio. Alex Sabio was the one who's like, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, this is the tax strategy I'm using. What's tax strategy? What do you mean? Say taxes? What is? So I'm like, it generates all these questions and it allows you to take action faster. And then your action plan, figure out some sort of action plan that works for you and whatever that is that gets you closer. If you want to do it in a partnership model, go find your, or you want somebody, you want to buy, but you want somebody to host for you, go find that co-host. So figure that out and then revisit. I think that's the challenging thing that I think people don't do is they have this action plan. They're like, all right, I know these steps. I'm ready. And then they're not like constantly assessing like where they are, like gauging how they're doing. And it just like constantly reassess as you're going through the journey because you want to reflect, okay, can I do this differently? Can I do that differently? And that'll allow you to determine what, if this is like the right fit for you. Yeah. And I'm in a mastermind right now that has accountability groups. And we always meet up every week and it's, it definitely helps being around people like that. It, you, and you don't have to pay for that. You can just have an accountability group with the people you surround yourself with. If the people you surround yourself with are doing big deals, you're going to want to do big deals as well. And that's what I found sure. is the more times I go to these events, I shoot myself in the foot because I'm like, dang. If they can do it, I can do it. So why not just do it? And so it just motivates me and it keeps me accountable for my actions, especially because if I meet Omi at the next meetup and he's, so what's going on? And it's like, nothing. It's embarrassing. So you want to make sure that you're doing stuff all the time because you're always plugged in and people are going to keep asking you, what's up? What's going on? What's new with you? And so you're going to have to come up with something. You can either lie or you can actually take action and make yourself better. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's the accountability piece is huge. I think like for your listeners, if you have that accountability piece, you put it out there and now you have to own it. And so it just, I think that's such a big piece because just like you said, when I was during COVID, I was in an accountability group, but everybody was like East coast. So I was waking up. Our accountability group was at 4 30 AM. So I was waking up like eye crusty and rolling out of bed, like making it, but Having that conversation with those people, it allowed me to stay accountable. One of them ended up becoming like a, a top 10 podcaster in the multifamily space. One of them did multiple syndications. One of them has done development deals. So it's, I think being in that kind of space with that, that kind of like firepower, it motivates you. Oh, like I had these conversations with these people. They're like me. I can do it too. And I think that is like a great catalyst for you to do whatever you need to do to be successful or achieve whatever it is that you, you set yourself up for. Yeah. So let's start to wrap this up. I want to ask you the last three questions and sure. really curious. Take it easy what... on me. <laughs> yeah. I might put an extra one in there for you just to make it a little tougher. And <laughs> what's your favorite book and why? My favorite book, Never Split the Difference. So I think Never Split the Difference. I think there's a lot of psychology around communication. And uh, like I came from like a negotiation background with uh, like my prior job. And you often see it's very common, like the most people are going to say, let's split the difference. Let's do. But I think there's more talking points where you can talk things out. So I would say that, of course, you're going to hear the rich dad, poor dad, and some of those like common books. But I think for me, that's what speaks to me. Yeah. And that's the most important part. So there's a lot of people that mention Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just so you know. Yeah. And of course. That's, yeah. That's what I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this, what's the most inspiring story that you've heard about short-term rental investing or real estate investing in general when it comes to people that were in corporate? That's a great question. I feel like there's so many stories. I feel like there's a, like a common thread, which is People want to create this, break the curse, like generational wealth. And so that's always like a common theme. You always talk, think about the whys and some sort of struggle that everybody has some form of struggle. And, uh, but a specific story that I can think of, I don't know if there's one speci specifically that kind of stands out. I would just say for me specifically, like when I think about my why, so my parents, they both came from, they were both immigrants. My dad came from Iran. My mom came from Colombia, completely different parts of the world, very different values. They both came to this country illegally. Controversial a little bit, yes, no, but they both came to the country illegally. They met in an English class. I think there was like this glimmer of hope of the future. They left everything behind. So I always think about like wise people always are going to say generational wealth. Um, I think like I have a duty to those before me that made those sacrifices so then I can build on the trajectory of the like my family. I think people just say, oh, my family, but I think there's like a little bit more to it. So it's like, I feel like I have this obligation. Like I, I would go to Colombia every summer as a kid and there's extreme poverty. People are fighting over, I would leave with like only the shirt on my back. People are fighting over the clothes, like the things we take for granted. So I never try to take any of those things for granted and all the opportunities that are out there. And I really want to just maximize on the opportunities that are there. and there's going to be mistakes along the way, but my goal, my intent is always stay consistent and be the best version of yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. And that corporate job, why didn't you think the corporate job was going to do it for you? So I worked, I would say I worked 
the hardest. I was very effective in my job, but at some point there's a ceiling. And I recall there was, I'm going to share stories. I had a, I had a end of year review. And at the end of year review, I was told, Hey, you're too high on the pay scale. So you're not getting a raise. So for me, I'm a big, Hey, even though you're the second highest paid person in your pay grade, the only other person that's higher paid than you is somebody who was a higher level that stepped down. But besides that, you're the highest paid person. And for me, that crushed me because I'm more about like merit. So if I'm effective year after year, now you're penalizing me because I'm that basically shifted my mindset where I'm like, I'm going to start looking for alternatives that will allow me to eventually not necessarily depend on this, but also like the ceiling is infinite. And so I think even like when we talk about real estate, the ceiling is infinite. There's so many creative ways. There's so many opportunities and my efforts will, I think there's, you'll get a better yield with the efforts. That's beautifully said. Spicing that. Amazing. Mwah. <laughs> that was the chef's kiss. That's all I want. There you go, baby. That's yeah. You're breaking out the stories. What's in store for you in the future? What's Omid yeah. up to and what is he really focusing on? Yeah, I think for me, it's just in the community, it's been very supportive and you really want to pay it forward. For me, like how do you pay it forward? So on the real estate space side, it's I'm working on launching a find your freedom. So again, it's, I feel like everybody has like their different version of what freedom means to them, but uh, it's the intent is really like inspiring, aspiring investors to just take action and break away from like mindset issues that they might've had break those barriers. And so working on that. So that'll be something I'll work on next year. And uh, I'll say that's it. Just continue just have fun. I think where I am, I think some people really want to keep building and more and more. I don't necessarily need more. I just want to enjoy the process, have fun, bring people along the way. And so I think that's something I've always been known for in, in whatever industry. It just, I want to enjoy the company and be present with people around me and have a good time. So you catch me at a meetup, we'll have a drink together. We'll have a laugh together. I just want to enjoy myself. For me, it just like, I'm at a point in my life where I want to make sure that my wife, my kids, they're enjoying themselves. They have the, the best experiences available for them. And then as well as all those around me. Yeah. And I think that's so important to be present for your kids, for your family. And I think the time is more important to you right now, it seems yeah. like, than yep. really just like making billions of dollars or doing some yeah. crazy stuff. For you, you're just, you're happy with where you're at. You don't, and yeah. that just shows to people that are listening <clears throat> that you really don't need to quit your corporate job and climb to Lambos and all this crazy stuff. It's just, Omi just wants to live. He just wants to have fun. He just wants to give back, have purpose in the world. He's a simple man. That's all he wants. And, and that's okay. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And it's funny because every time I see you at a meetup, because we bump into each other quite a bit here in Southern California, and you're it's always a smile on your face. Well, I'm just going to put this out there. You are honestly such a genuine, open person. And you'll talk to anybody. It doesn't matter where you're at with your journey. You're not really trying to scale yourself or be only around the best real estate investors. You really don't care. You are a free-spirited, fun, entertain pretty entertaining, honestly, when you dance. <laughs> Guys, definitely buy Omid a beer. And I promise yeah. you, you won't regret it. <laughs> it's going to be the best time of your life. 
Um, we'll have a dance of a hundred percent. So people that want to buy you a beer or just hang out with you, how can they reach you? How can they get in contact with you? What's the move? Sure. Yeah. You can find my IG handle is Omid, the rad investor. So O M I D the rad investor. You can also find me on my, on the website as far as investing opportunities. So that's alpha geek capital.com. But yeah, looking forward to connecting with people, whether that's uh, virtually or locally at a meetup. Just, I love to just chat. And I feel like everybody has a story and it's always ins inspiring to hear like different versions of uh, what people are going through. That is amazing. And for those people that recommended Omid to be on this show, thank you. I've had three people tell me. Wow, man. Omid. Three people. It was Dang. two before. Now it's three. Uh, so yeah. you guys have it. There he is. He put everything on the yeah. table for you guys. Take it as you is. And I'm so happy that you joined us today and just shared your story, man. You were, it was great. Can we conclude with kissing like the camera or like how does that work? Like, <laughs> I don't want to, like, I don't yeah. want to um, make you I think you're going to be, you can be like a future heartthrob of short-term rentals. You're just <laughs> All right, just... fine. For you, I will okay. do this. Ready? Yeah, kissing yeah there you the go. Ready? One, two, three. Where was your there you go. pucker? I didn't oh, even hear oh, it. All right, all right, we got to do it again. We're, 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 we're doing okay. it. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. That was there awesome. There you go. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome.